Good morning, Eastside family and friends. So glad you're here with us this morning. We're going to keep going in our series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, this week we're going to look at the story of Paul as he has his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. What I want to do today, I really want to answer a couple of questions. You know, when, when we are walking with the Holy Spirit, when we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, how do we know that we're really hearing from God? And in uh, what qualifies us for, for the ministry that God calls us to? I want to kind of answer those two questions as we look at the life and the story of Paul. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verse 1 through 22. Here we go. You ready? Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I, lo- I love the fact that, that Paul's response is, Who are you, Lord? And then Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, if, if you're familiar, a goad is that stick with a sharp point on it that, that is created to move an ox or a team of oxen as they're pulling the cart. Why are you kicking against the goads? Now, what could uh, Jesus could be talking about here is just Paul's history, Paul's past, and in that past of persecution. Or he could be talking about the fact that, that Paul already knew in his heart uh, that Jesus was Messiah or had this inkling and he was still just fighting that, that truth. So anyhow, in verse 6 it says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. You know, there's so many times I think when people are praying, they're asking God for advice, they want creative solutions to problems. They want answers right now. And I love the fact that as we take in the Word of God, as we see the stories that are written here, the, the Word of God being the breath of the Almighty, the Word of God that is trying to give us a testimony of Jesus, and as the church, how to follow Jesus, that he just gives, he gives Paul just this little bit. I want you to go here, and I want you to wait there, and then I'm going to tell you what to do. And so I just want to encourage you today. That's, a, that's an encouragement that just so many times we just don't get what we want from God right off the bat. He says, I want you to wait, and I'm going to give you the instructions later. Verse 7, And the men who journeyed with him were speechless hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And then Saul arose from the ground, and, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. In verse 10, And now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, 
and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to all your saints in Jerusalem. And there, uh, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen. If you've got your Bible circle, chosen. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Paul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, say immediately, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and says, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name, on this name in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelled in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. There's so many things that we can learn from this story. But I want to just start off with the question and try to answer the question, does your past disqualify you? And, 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 and I have this thought every time I read this story about Paul. You know, he's, he, he, he's got this reputation. In verse 7, uh, 58, you see, uh, I mean, excuse me, in chapter 7, verse 58, in, in the book of Acts, you see, you see Saul standing there, and they're stoning Stephen. And all those who stoned Stephen, they laid their coats down at the feet of a young man named Saul. He was in authority there, and uh, he had Stephen stoned. And he, he, he was the one who let that happen. Now, what you need to understand about this particular uh, story in Scripture is this was a modern-day lynching. This was a hostile takeover in verse in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It said that Paul wreaked havoc. He went from house to house to house to house looking for people of the way, whether men or women, and he threw them in prison. He carried them off. It was, it was, they, they entered homes without permission, grabbed them, and imprisoned them, and that's who Paul was. That's who Saul was before his conversion to Paul. And, and here is this guy's reputation that, he, that he's going around. And, and, and in Scripture, it talks about Paul's thorn in the side. And sometimes, I know I feel this way, and, and you probably do as well, that your past is your thorn in the side. Every time you seem to be making headway with this, with this living a life for Christ, 
It somehow happens that, that there's a whisper in your ear, that there's some reminder of your failures of the past. And I just want you to know, this story is written, it's breathed by God, so that you and I can, can be confident in knowing that our past doesn't disqualify us. Because here we are, Paul says, he's, he, uh, says about Paul that he's growing in his strength and his influence as he goes, even though people are identifying him as the guy who had Stephen Stone, as the guy who put people in jail. And even when the Lord goes to Ananias, you know, it says, Ananias, I want you to go to this guy named Saul, this guy named Saul of Tarsus. Ananias even says, you know, wait a minute now, isn't that the guy who, isn't that the gal who, you know, we, we hear that all the time uh, in our ears, our past. And, and this, is, this is what you need to know. That no matter how much you want to follow Christ, no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be those whispers. But there's also going to be people who doubt you're called, who doubt your testimony, who doubt you've ever really changed. You know, and, and unless they hear from the Lord, unless they hear your testimony and, and are of the way, they may never believe that you've been transformed from darkness to light. That you've got this powerful testimony. It's written right here in Scripture. And, and things haven't changed today. They're still the same. People are going to say about you, isn't that person, isn't that the one who did this? Isn't that the one who used to do that? And uh, you're going to have to get by that. Paul did. He's our example of doing that. So, so does your past disqualify you? No. Ravi Zacharias, who, who just passed away and went to the Lord this week, uh, he, see the Lord this week, he said this. He said, it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. It's about what, not what you've been, but it's about who came to your rescue. And so... How are we qualified? I said that right up front. What qualifies you is the, is the death that Jesus, is the price that Jesus paid, and that's his death. You know, Jesus died and raised again so, so that we could be qualified as sons and daughters of God. And so it's not about what you do that qualifies you. It's not about what you've done that disqualifies you. It's about whose you are. And so no matter what your past is, the second thing I want you to know is that God has an assignment for you. He has an assignment for you. In, in this particular case, it, it says about Paul in verse 15 that he was a chosen vessel. He was chosen by God. What's really interesting is God had a specific assignment. I mean, when he, when he had his mind's eye on Paul, when he had his mind's eye on Saul, he already knew. He even said... Paul, why are you kicking against the goats? Why, why are you pushing back from me? You know, uh, and, <laughs> and, and Saul or Paul, he, you know, he responded to the Lord. He understood that the Lord knew his innermost thoughts. He had this realization that God knew and had an assignment from you because his response to the Lord is, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Now, what a great, great question. When we come to the Lord and we realize that it's not who we are, that it's whose we are, and we surrender ourselves to God, the question that we need to be asking Him is, what do you want me to do? 
How do you want me to respond to you, Lord? Because he's got an assignment for each one of us. I can remember, I can remember when I first felt like I, I, I was called into ministry. And it's an important aspect of my testimony because I went to my pastor who, who I very much respected. And I talked to him about, you know, getting in ministry or felt like I was called into ministry. And he really discouraged me. He, he basically said that I was disqualified because of my past. And I can remember going, well, what on earth God has called you? And he said, it doesn't matter. You'll never be accepted. And, 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 and that, that, um, that attitude, I just want you to understand, it runs rampant in the church. But here's what I did. I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's when I joined the military so I could get the GI Bill, so I could go to seminary. And that was the way I thought I could at least get started. But this is what I want you to hear me say. I just asked the Lord what he wanted me to do, and, and I had no idea how the Lord would bring about what I felt like he wanted me to do in my heart, nor did I require him to. And I think that's incredibly important. If you feel called to a certain thing, if you feel like the Lord's gifted you and you've got this calling in your life, you know, there's so many people that I see. all the time uh, he was aggr aggressively pursuing letters for Christians he he uh, he of course had Stephen Stone but what I love about this story and what I love about the story that I know is going to transpire in your life is that God never did take away his zeal it says he was zealous for God he had specific gifts. God didn't take away that zeal. He just refocused it. He refocused that zeal. How God designed you. What I love about the Lord is the way he gives us all gifts and talents. And when we get saved and when we commit our life to the Lord, he doesn't take away that zeal for those gifts and talents. 
He, he just refocuses those things so that you can use them for the kingdom because he already knows how he made each one of us. He makes us uh, specifically. You were specifically wonderfully made for purpose. God already knows that what that is. And you can be zealous for that and you come to Christ. You don't have to lose that zeal. What he does is just refocuses that for kingdom purposes. And as you begin to follow him, he'll bring that, he'll bring that to light. He'll use those gifts and talents to bring him glory. That's what he does. You know what he said to Moses? He said to Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? You know, when we come to Christ and we ask him, Lord, what would you have me do? He says, I'm going to tell you, but, I, but this I want you to know. He's always used who you are to bring glory to his name. There's nothing about you that's a mistake. There's no, there's no gift or talent or, or creative element of who God made you to be that's a mistake. It might be off track. It might have gone down the wrong road. But all God's going to do is he's just going to refocus you back on kingdom things with those same gifts and talents. So even though Paul was blinded by zeal, God used that zeal for kingdom purposes. He's going to do the same with you. So if the first thing we got to know is that God uh, doesn't disqualify you because of your past. And no matter what your past is, he still has an assignment for you and he created you a specific way. He knows how he did it. And he's just going to refocus you using those gifts and talents to bring you glory. We see that in the story of Paul. But here's what I want you to understand too. Is that where God calls you, he will always bring provision. So many people miss this element of the call of God on their life. He, you know, Jesus even says, we're the called out ones. We're, we are the called out. Well, you've been called out for purpose. And, and in that purpose, you have to learn to de depend on God's provision. That's financial provision. But most of all, if you're being called by God, that's, that's provision and help from other people. I love this story about Ananias and that, and that God is working in Damascus with Ananias. At the same time, he's working with Paul on the way to Damascus. He, he's, he's dealing with both people and he's saying the same thing with both people. So here's, here's what I'm talking about. There are people around you who love you. And if you feel like God's got this specific purpose that you were designed a specific way, that you have this, this zeal to, to bring glory to God in, uh, in a kingdom way in, in a specific area, what you've got to do is you need to get affirmation and help from other people. They need to confirm what God is saying through you because God's telling them the same thing about what's going on with you. Now, sometimes that happens with wives and husbands, but I, I see that, I see that um, kind of, um, it kind of gets messed up because of the blindness of love sometimes. So I would encourage you that to, to place people around you that you can trust, that you believe here the Lord, that when you get an unction from God or what you feel like is a direction from God, that you can, you can talk to them about what you feel like God's called you to, and they will be honest with you. They'll tell you whether they see that being something that God wants to do in your life. And Because I believe God, if you get people praying for you, God will bring 
wisdom through, through people who love him. He does it here with Paul. He'll do it with you. Happens all the time. Last year, we had several different hard choices, hard decisions, hard spots in our life. And I had specific people that I called, and I just, I just walked through the whole, the, whole, uh, uh, the, the whole thing that was going on and, um, and just said, hey, man, what do you hear the Lord saying? You know, how should I respond to this? What do you feel like Scripture, what, you know, how does it deal with this? And what do, you, what do you think my approach should be? And how, what do you think the Lord might be saying? And even if they didn't have advice right then on the spot, they could begin to pray. And the Lord could, could confirm through people that I loved and trusted to hear him uh, the direction that he wanted me to go in. He could be telling me, but I needed affirmation from somebody that I love and trust to say, I, I, I agree with that. I believe that's what the Lord said. So important in the life of the believer. If you haven't got somebody like that, if you don't have a mentor, our elders are, the, are, are the, some of the most uh, stable, godly, scripture-knowing, spirit-filled people that I've ever been around. And I encourage you to, to, to get to know them. Uh, seek them out. They would love to have a relationship with you. They would love to be able to help you. And uh, there are other people that aren't elders in our church that have been with the Lord a very long time, very mature people who hear the word of the Lord, who know the scriptures, who can direct you in, in a way that doesn't just, you know, they're not scared to tell you the truth. It's so important that we find people who are hearing from God and can speak truth to us. So you need to get confirmation from others. Uh, you need to the, to get direction confirmed from others. Paul had Ananias. And what I love about this is that instruction from God matched each other. They matched each other. You and I need the same thing. Let's look at what it says. Let's revisit this uh, just to confirm this. It's verse 10, and I'm going to read through 15 again. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, in a vision, he, he, he came to Paul, and, and, and Paul experienced that, and the people around Paul didn't see anything. All they did was hear it. So it was, it was, you know it was supernatural. And here we have this vision, this supernatural. And the Lord said to Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And so that's Ananias says, you know, this is a this is a this is a tough dude. But Jesus responds, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, and I've chosen him to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. God had a specific purpose for Paul, for Saul, and he's got a specific purpose for you and me. He's got a specific purpose for you and me. Well, how do you know? Well, you're the called out one. Nothing disqualifies you. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And because you're Jesus, because, because you're his, because you're his children, you're his child, you're his son, you're his daughter. He's got a specific 
purpose for you and me. Well, how do you find that out? Well, you, you get to know the word. You ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how do you want to use my gifts and talents to bring your kingdom to earth? Where do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And the Lord says, listen, listen to my spirit. I've got, I've got spiritual gifts that are available to you. Don't be hesitant. Ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. Ask the Lord for vision, and He'll give you vision. <laughs> I'm reminded of the scripture that, that we kind of talked about last week, and it said, you know, how, how many of you being evil, if, if your kid asked you for something, that you would give him a serpent? And then he says, how much will the Lord know to give you good gifts for those who ask? The Lord wants to give you great gifts. The Lord wants you to prosper in him. Even though he says to Paul, I want to show him, show him many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. Imprisoned, shipwrecked, stoned. Paul says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. He lived for Christ. He was zealous for Christ. He accomplished his purpose on earth. So can you. As you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to happen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you promise your Holy Spirit to us. I thank you, God, that we're never disqualified. That what qualifies us is that we're yours. We're yours. And so I ask you, God, as, as, we, uh, as we ask the question all over, all over, as we watch this sermon this morning, as we ask the question, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to come out of this, this uh, isolation? When I, when I get back in it, God, what do you want me doing? Father, speak to me. Give me vision. Give me fresh vision. Help me understand, God, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Help me understand, Lord, that, that you know how you made me and that you've got specific plans to use how you made me to bring you glory. Father, I don't need to change. Those are, those are not mistakes, God. I've gotten off path with them a little bit, but I know I need to be redirected uh, to, the, to the call that you've called me to so that I can accomplish what you want me to. Jesus, I just ask you right now that you would touch hearts. I pray in this, these times of, of, uh, of contemplation that we seriously, Lord, are transformed by your presence. Paul, who was formerly Saul, is never the same. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He increased in strength and influence. Even though he was known as a prisoner, as someone who took, <laughs> even though he was known as someone who took people to prison, even though he 
He allowed a lynching. You forgave him. You chose him. You filled him with your Holy Spirit. You accomplished your purpose in him and through him. So no matter what we've done, we're not disqualified. No matter what we've done, you still have purpose for us. Father, I pray that discouragement would be removed from our homes. That we could place our hope in you afresh and anew again. That we could be enthusiastic, enthused about the future and the prospects that you have as you anoint us with your spirit to do the work of the ministry to bring you glory. We are the called out ones, ministers of the gospel, taking kingdom everywhere we go. Help us do that in your power, by your grace, in love, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.